Cold Stove Podcast, we are live. I'm in Austin, Texas. NRD from Parts Unknown. Sorry for the hiatus last week. Had a uh, NRD was just gallivanting. Let's call it that. I've yeah, had my I mean, gallivanting weeks. He's had his gallivanting weeks. We uh, we flip flop on that front. Happy to have I'm you back, menace. NRD. How are you? I'm a menace, man. I don't show up. I'm like Tyler Sagan at morning breakfast. Yeah, my breakfast was big. I just decided to skip it, so I was suspended for a week. Um, <laughs> one week suspension. One week suspension. I'm doing well, Brett. Uh, excited to be back. Excited for this time of year. I know we say that a lot on the show, but we're starting to get there. We're starting to. This is my favorite time of year because it's right before when shit actually is going to go down. It's more of like this team called about this player. These seven teams are interested in this player season, and uh, it's that's always fun, right? Because then he gets. Brings the fans out of it. They want to know if Timo Meyer's going to New Jersey yesterday. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them no. And uh, that's where the fun begins. I'd argue February 1st is the beginning of smoke season, NRD. Would you agree? I would agree with that. It, a couple it, days left. Smoke season is, is imminent. And that means for Cold Stove listeners, more content. That's potentially multiple episode weeks. That's Twitter spaces. That's NRD and I. Maybe we'll do a live or something like that. Just just wow. cover NRD's face up again, just like the first time we ever did anything together. Do we have to cover up NRD's face? The trade map? Whoa. Uh-oh. It was a question. I, I don't... That's up to you there, partner. All right. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But before we get into that, NRD, your, your NRD parlay had a couple weeks ago. If people were listening, free money. Oh, yeah. Can we talk free about money. this? We can. I'm, I'm glad you included this in the rundown because there's a clip, and I asked you... Full disclosure for people out there. I asked Brett to put this out on the show account, and he didn't because he's a coward, and he didn't want to reveal the fact that when you listen to the clip from the episode, I think you said something to the effect that I'm out of my mind, or I was crazy, or you wanted to chain me up and put me in the asylum. So, something I mean, like, I think you were, you were very confident in the Jaguars, and I was not. Is that and, what it was? And it was never in doubt. That game was not in doubt at any point. No. Never. <laughs> Everything hit. Exactly. It happened exactly how I said it was going to happen. So there were some people out there, thanks to the uh, the Cold Stove faithful that rode with NRD and the NRD par- uh, parlay. Glad you guys made some cash. Thanks to our uh, friends at DraftKings for that. And here's how you make cash this weekend. There are four NFL teams, two conference championship, conference championship games left. How about that? And only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs. With DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. Uh... Mahomes with a bum ankle NRD this weekend. I think the the people are going to take a lot of stock in that. So I I am going, I'll probably go Chiefs and the over. Start up that parlay. And maybe I'll parlay that with like a Chiefs, uh, Chiefs money line over whatever it is. And like Mahomes over 250 passing yards. Whatever that is. Mahomes over is going to be. I'm just going to go against the injury people that are scared and see if we can make that happen. I don't disagree with you on the fact that I don't think he's that injured. I think he's hurt, not injured. There's a big difference. Uh, High ankle sprain. Those those aren't aren't fun. 
Yeah, but he's been dancing around at practice all week. What I'm going to say is this. I'm not going to go on the Chiefs' money line because I don't think they're going to win the game. I think Mahomes healthy. I don't think the Chiefs win that game. You know what okay. I think does happen in the game? What's up? I think the over hits. I think the Bengals cover. Okay. And I think that I would throw a little bit of money on Travis Kelsey to score two touchdowns. Ooh. So there's the NRD parlay of the game. Okay. I know okay. that's a little bit that's a little bit of negative correlation, you know, Kelsey scoring two touchdowns with the Bengals winning. But it but it helps the over. And uh, you know, when your back's against the wall, Mahomes is hurt, not injured. Who are you gonna whose number are you gonna call? Well, the guy that you've trusted and has been your guy for, you know, five, six years now in Kansas City. Give me Kelsey two touchdowns, Bengals the cover and the over. I will do this. Here's my official this is this is live. The Merriman. Cold stove parlay, which is different, obviously, than the NRD cold stove parlay. I'm going one hits and one doesn't. That's correct, correct, correct. Chiefs money line parlayed with the over 48. Parlayed with oh, I love this. Parlayed with Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdown passes, which is minus 180 right now. I like that parlay. I like that parlay a lot because I think I think it's going to be Joe Burrow's got two, Pat Mahomes has two. How about that, NRD? I like it. Lock it in. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code WASHED. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code WASHED. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, NRD, hockey time. Where do you want to begin with? Timo Myers, the uh, kind of the hot hot topic around the league at this very second. I have some stuff on that too. So here we go. Timo Meyer in Vancouver, but let's start with Timo. Sure. Let's start with Timo. Well, you know what? I'll get my thing. Yeah. Get your thing. That's what's kind of, I was, I was, I was hosting the show and then trying to throw it to you. Then my, you know, it's, I'll just, the show is better when I just play Merrick and I'm not trying to bring, I'm not trying to bring any insider in influencer stuff to this thing. I'll just let me drive the bus there. Anyway, I'll lead off here. So there was a little smoke smoke season, obviously, coming around. Shouts to smoke signals, Lake Placid. Um, There's a little bit of smoke recently about the Sabres having interest in in Timo Meyer. Now, when that first appeared, uh, I don't was it Pagnata who first kind of said something like that, or Elliot? It was it was Frank Cervalli, maybe. Basically, said there's something here. I said okay. I hadn't heard that. I went out looking around, trying to dig up some stuff. Heard basically, um, yeah, interest, but nothing more than a check-in. And then Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo News today reported as much, basically, because I didn't have anything concrete enough to go on, like tweeting type of thing. And Lance uh, had enough, obviously, to report on and said, yeah, check-in. What's the price? Nothing more, nothing less, check-in. So it is obviously check-in season. GMs are doing their job by seeing how much somebody costs, right? I think that makes sense across the board. So interest, sure, but more of a check-in than something imminent. Now, a team that I think has legitimate, like beyond check-in interest, is the New Jersey Devils. And I will leave leave that to you, NRD. What are the New Jersey Devils trying to do with the Timo Meyer? They're trying to acquire Timo Meyer. Now they have the cap space to, to sign him long term, which, which right, which is obviously is, and it's also an important part of this whole thing. Yeah, because he's an RFA at the end of this year, and his qualifying offer might be upwards of ten mil. So that's a that's a tough sell for 
you know, the New York Rangers or the Boston Bruins of the world where they potentially can't afford that qualifying offer. Because now you're not only acquiring a true rental, but then you know you're going to have to flip him for something at, before the draft, trade his rights. It's, it's going to be a sticky situation. But in terms of the Devils, they can kind of afford to do a lot of things right now, which is which is good for them. I will tell you the rumor side of it, I can tell you for a fact. They're involved, you know, in Timo Meyer, they're involved in Horvat and Besser, and they're involved in I I would keep an eye on a couple other names in Vancouver. I don't think they're just talking about Hor uh Horvat or Brock Besser. They're involved, you know, they've kicked tires on Patrick Kane. Then the the, the me, me trying to analyze the New Jersey Devils. I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Fitzgerald, just you know, watching and observing him over the years and knowing people close to him, pivots and tries to just shore up that back end, right? Because they're getting the firepower up front. You can you can survive with what they have up front up front right now. I don't think it's perfect, but I think you can get by with what they have. I think adding another defender to that back end that stabilizes it, maybe Matias Ekholm, maybe somebody like that, I think could, in Tommy Fitz's eyes help the uh the devils a little bit more come playoff time than than like a like a Brock Besser. Not to say a Brock Besser isn't a huge addition for that club or a Timo Meyer, but if that falls through, I could see them pivoting to a defenseman rather quickly. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we'll see in this sort of trade market coming up is it's gonna be a lot of sort of long term I, I the the rental market feels a little thin, especially on goaltenders this year. Um so I, I think we're going to, not that it's not going to be entertaining, not that there's not going to be big deals, but it's going to be a lot of that kind of team building versus pieces, right? And because pieces are so hard in this economy, call it, because the salary cap has been flat for so long. So I think we're kind of at the last year of this salary, and it went up a million, but we're at the last year of this really, really, really flat cap that is pushing these larger UFA contracts in their, their last year, teams are kind of on the brink of financial insecurity as far as the cap goes, not necessarily business-wise. But you know what I mean? Like there's, It's hard to do deals in this economy because of that. And I no, think it, unless it, you have that option to, one, afford somebody like a Timo Meyer, and two, extend them beyond this year and probably well beyond this year, the rental market is not the same as it has been in years past. Well, and that's why I, I think if you're a buyer, I think that plays into your hands if you're the New Jersey Devils or the Buffalo Sabres of the world because you can, you, you know your team's good enough that, hey, maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule, we're competing. We can also afford a Timo Meyer or, or a Brock Besser or a Bo Horvat. We can afford mm-hmm. these guys. Whereas yeah. other teams that are looking for a pure rental can't afford. Now, that might cost you a pretty penny for you know the, the Devils and the Sabres, but you can go out and acquire this guy and acquire a piece that's not just going to be here through, you know, the end of May. Like right. you're, you're acquiring a guy that's going to be part of this club, you know. But but to your point about pieces being expensive nowadays and the salary cap, I mean, everybody wants to know, you know, when the shoe drops in Vancouver with the guys being on the move or a Timo Meyer deal or a Patrick Kane deal. The truth of the matter is, is nothing's imminent right now. You're going to start to hear all this chatter of like teams placing phone calls, but nothing's imminent. Talks may be eating up, you know, to quote Darren Dreger, but. Things are not imminent only because these teams that are involved, not including, you know, the two teams we just mentioned who have the cap space to do something, the rental buyers of the world, they are just waiting day by day to accrue that daily cap space accrual. So you get to the deadline and have, you know, six million to play with. Maybe a guy goes in LTIR or whatnot. You have a little bit more flexibility. 
Like, I, I think teams are just trying to get by till then when they have to make a deal. I don't think that anybody's going to fire the first warning shot because it costs a lot of money to do so. Yeah, totally. I have two things on the trade market. Um, one, especially in the case of Timo Meyer specifically, right? When he's going to need a new contract, there's sort of this, like the two camps not only have to talk, but then Timo Meyer's agent has to be involved. They're not going to do a trade unless there's a deal sort of agreed upon. Do you have any sort of internal insight, NRD, how that process works with different agents, with different teams, when it's basically, you know, the NBA has sign and trade, mm -hmm. NHL has trade and sign. Do you know of any roadblocks or anything that like, is there tampering in this kind of day and age? Like, how does that work, especially in a case of a guy like Timo Meyer? There's always tampering. I think teams are just better at it. And I think the rules are intentionally vague at times and have those loopholes for that reason. I think you're looking at two different scenarios and take Timo out of it, just like a player A and a player B. You can, you can then fill in the names like a player B could be a Timo. But uh, player A, right, is a player that, Maybe, you know, coming off on a free agent, he wants to go out like a, like a Claude Giroux. Let's take Claude Giroux, for example, of last year, mm -hmm. right? That agent, sometimes the team could give Claude Giroux's agent permission to go and find a trade, seek right. out locations, seek out teams that work best for his client. Then, you know, agent says, listen, Claude really wants to be in Colorado or Boston or, you know, Florida and um, Florida's willing to do this with him. We're okay with that. Okay, now go make nice with Florida, talk to Florida. That's option one. Then there's like the Timo Meyer where the San Jose Sharks are not saying, hey, Timo Meyer, go start finding a deal. They're working on trades with the Rangers, with the Devils, with these teams. They'll only allow Timo Meyer's agent in camp to talk to teams that are serious about this, have already put a significant amount on the table because they're not in any hesitancy they're not in a rush to trade Timo Meyer for pennies on the dollar because he's a veteran going to chase Stanley Cup, right? Like, yeah. he's still an asset for this club. Sure. So I, I sure. think you're looking at this situation more so than the, the latter, more so than the former with Timo Meyer. I think you're starting to hear his name percolate a little bit more because those teams, you know, the Rangers, the Devils, the Sabres, the, the LA Kings, have, have put on the table enough to where the Sharks are like, okay, we have serious offers for this guy. We have a ballpark of what we're going to be getting in a trade. Now that might go up or down, depending on if the deal could be worked out. But now we're going to give, you know, Timo's agent to reach out to that club, try to work out something, maybe maximize the value in a return. Second point, um, and that's that's really good analysis right there. I want to mm -hmm. commend you for that. Second point I wanted to make on the trade front. You're a team, like we mentioned, Col or not Colorado, excuse me, Buffalo and New Jersey. And it could be any team, any young team. And like Detroit, I think, will be in this spot next year. Any young team, Seattle, again, that is sort of one step ahead of where they're supposed to be this year, call it. A team that's like, oh, they're young and they're on the rise, whatever it may be. When you have a team this young that's overperforming and outperforming, and it's not just, we call it puck luck, right? Like if, if Buffalo is two points out of a wild card spot, but their goal differential was minus 20 or something like that. And it's kind of just, oh, they're getting lucky. It's not. It's the opposite. And New Jersey is one of the best teams in the league. But they're sort of both a step ahead in their rebuild and their retooling 
from where they are supposed to be. Play GM for a second, NRD. Are you afraid of trading potentially integral pieces? Call it your last two or three first round kind of guys in that area that are going to bolster this roster, even though it's playing above where it should be. Are you sort of afraid? Like you're kind of a, you're kind of hesitant to go get that team of Meyer because you're sort of in the safety of rebuild. Do you know what I mean? Like there's you're, the, when the expectations are low, uh, we can kind of sit and wait and let these, let these guys develop and percolate. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, we, now it's time to put up or shut up, make a move and then see if this roster is, is for real that we've spent the last couple of years building. So I think, I think GMs get a little nervous that sense because it's like, oh shit, you know, studying is over. It's time for the test and it's like put up or shut up. Yeah. And, and you know, if I put myself in the GM chair, I could just give you my, you know, as NRD, here's what I would do. It's an 82 game season. Plus, you know, a maximum of what? Seven times four uh, is yeah, here, 28, right? 28, yes, 28 games in the playoffs. Right. I can I can give you a parlay, but I can't do math to save my life. Um, so you could play a lot of games in an NHL season. When you have an opportunity in front of you, even if you're ahead of schedule, you go for it because a lot of variables, a lot of things can happen. So to kick that can and say, well, you know, we're in the safety of a rebuild, we're just exceeding expectations. I don't subscribe to that mindset only because this year is this year. Next year is a very different year. Guys could get hurt. Guys could just have an off year, right? Like look at Seattle. It's a team you mentioned. If I was sitting in that Ron Francis chair right now, Matty Beneers is going to win the Calder Trophy this year. He's playing out of his mind. Calder, the Calder. Um, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. He's playing out of his mind. There's a sophomore slump thing that exists in this world of sport mm -hmm. who's to say he comes out next year and isn't scoring at, you know, the clip that he is this year, or who's to say, Oh, maybe we'll add a Shane Wright next year. Well, maybe Shane Wright's still behind schedule. Maybe Shane Wright could still be a hell of a hockey player, but needs a little bit more seasoning. Maybe he comes up to the league next year and has a slow year, has an Alexei Lafreniere year where he's just not who we thought he was initially. Things could change so rapidly in this league that if I'm a Seattle, I go for it because you know, things could be very different next year. I mean, they were a bad, bad, bad hockey club last year. They didn't really change too much. I mean, they added a piece or two. They got a great season for Matty Veneers, but they didn't. They're still the same hockey club they were last year. And, and, I, and I liken this to the St. Louis Blues a lot, too. And I, I don't want to filibuster this any longer, but we've talked a lot on the show about the St. Louis Blues, too. They were not a great club. And then they had a Cinderella thing happen in January of that year where they hired Craig Berube. They added at the deadline. They went on and won a Stanley Cup. And then where have they been since since that? The same mediocre meddling in the playoffs, not in the playoffs club. So I think it's not for long. This league is a long season. I think when you have something in front of you, you go for it. You don't disguise yourself in the it, the cloak of a rebuild or, or ahead of schedule. I think you go full steam ahead because those opportunities, you know, they don't exist very often. I tend to absolutely agree with that. I think... Teams always talk about these windows, right? And it's like this rebuild, you build up, and window. The windows, to me, when a team builds, and it's like this, they talk about these three- to five-year windows, it's just one of those things where, like, your window either lasts a decade 
thinking Pittsburgh, thinking like the way Colorado is going to do this, or it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Like Florida, two years of incredible hockey, and they make a wild, wild moves and kind of destroy their core, and now here they are. And it's just like these cliches about how hockey teams are built and the way that the whole thing works, it never seems to follow that. And teams are just either really good for really long periods of time, like the Capitals and Bruins and Penguins, and, or you're meddling. You're just kind of middling, meddling, middle, whatever. There's two different, like there's, yeah, there's two different philosophies no, of team building. And, and, it's, and it, you see it in all sports, right? Like really quick, you look at the NFL for a second. This isn't a football podcast, but you talk about the Patriots with Tom Brady for 20 years. They were a dynasty. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Rams where they sold, you know, their soul and made it feel devil to win a Super Bowl. And now the cupboards are bare. They don't have any picks. They don't have anything. Right. And, and I think that those are two different philosophies of team building. But to bring it back to hockey, it's so hard to be that dynasty. It's so hard to be the 90s Red Wings. It's so hard to be the, the early 2010s Chicago Blackhawks or LA Kings. That, you know what? I lean more in the camp of when you have an opportunity to sell your soul and you will get a championship because it's so hard to sustain success in sports anyway that when you have that opportunity in front of you, you get it. You don't worry about that five, six, seven year window because there's so many things that have to fall into place for you to be the New England Patriots or be the Los Angeles Kings of the early 2010s or be the Tampa Bay Lightning. So many things have to go your way and break your way in order for that to happen. That you can't you can't use that as a model, in my opinion. You win one championship. That's that's where you start. You can only lift one Stanley Cup at a time. I think that's the way you build the team. I think anything outside of that is an anomaly in a sense. I mean. Tampa Bay Lightning have had some great puck luck. Nikita Kucherov, say what you want about him going in LTIR because he was hurt, right? Like, but he was hurt. He went on LTIR. They were able to add at the deadline. If Nikita Kucherov is, you know, as healthy as can be, do they add a Barclay Goodrow? Do they add a Nick Paul? Do they add a... not? They can't. They can't. So, in order to look at those teams as a model of success, yeah, they're successful clubs, but things have went their way to be where they're at. I don't think it's a model for a Seattle team to say, okay, we're going to try to be like the Tampa Bay Lightning and build a five, six, seven year window because things might not happen that way for you like it did for them. Totally agree. Two things I want to tie up here and then we'll get back into some trade stuff. We'll get back into Vancouver after a little ad break. But there's two things I want to tie up. You mentioned Matty Beneers. Currently, minus 175 to win the Calder. The next closest, Mason McTavish at plus 800. Logan Thompson at plus 1,200. Cole Perfetti, 1,600, along with Stuart Skinner, who doesn't seem like a rookie, but just one of those goalie things. And then the best uh, value out there, Owen Power, plus 2,500. Three-game goal streak for your Buffalo Sabres. Uh, And secondly, NRD, there are one, two, three, four, five active players, and this relates to trades, who have played more than 82 games in a season. Can you name any of them? I don't know Five I active players who have been traded and ended up playing more than 82 in a season. Arturi Lekkinen. No. Good, good guess, though. Been traded and played 82 in that season? No. So, the, it, it, like, their season, because they got traded... <laughs> you know, an interesting point in their schedule, they end up playing 83 or 84 in the case of one of these players. Ooh. 
in recent history that are active yes all right yeah so if you go back like i can i can switch it to all players here yeah. on this hockey thing and the 1992-1993 season and 94 season, there are, are 84s and 85s and 86s all across the board. But active players who have played more than 83 in one year. I don't know. I really don't. I think you've stumped the NRD. I've stumped the NRD. I, I wasn't really expecting you to get these, but I was just wondering if you had any, any interesting trade kind of fodder in here. So, Kevin Fiala. Ryan Hartman, Eric Stahl, and Alex Galagowski have all played 83 in a season. And then uh, fan favorite Marcus Pedersen, 84 in the 2018-19 season. Wouldn't have guessed a single one. Nope. I maybe would have guessed Stahl just because he's been traded a lot and like Mm -hmm. always plays. Yeah. So that's a good one. Anyway, NRD. Let's hear from our friends over at Shopify. Cha-ching. You know that noise, NRD? Money. Cash money, baby. That's your sign this year. Finally, forget about those run-of-the-mill resolutions and instead start your own New Year's revolution. How about that? That means it's time to start selling on Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling t-shirts, whether you're selling hockey jerseys, whether you're selling posters and hockey sticks, memorabilia, anything, absolutely anything you can think of, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully Growing your business. NRD, are you familiar with Washed Media? I am very familiar. Are you familiar with washedmedia.shop? I am very familiar that is with our washedmedia.shop. commerce store, our e-com store, and it is built 100% on the Shopify platform. Makes it incredibly easy to upload products, set prices, make descriptions, make the website that they live on, incorporate your current website, your current social channels, anything you need Shopify is there to help you out. And what they do, one of the best things they do is you can make a, you know, a link for Instagram. You can connect to your Instagram account. Just an all-in-one e-com platform to help you grow your business and monetize what you do on a daily basis. They cover every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. Even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, like I just mentioned. It's packed with industry-leading tools, ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. You know what one of my favorite parts about Shopify is in RD? When I'm in the back end looking at the analytics, you can watch live. So like Black Friday, We'll put up our Shopify live dashboard and you can see the little pings from around the United States where people are hopping on, grabbing, uh, grabbing a look at your products. Pretty cool stuff. That is fun. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash stove. All lowercase, by the way, on stove. Go to shopify.com slash stove, all lowercase, to take your business to the next level today. Again, shopify.com slash stove. Speaking of looking at maps, I'm looking uh, north of the border 
at our friends over in Vancouver, NRD. Quite a tumultuous uh, week. Quite tumultuous weeks. Quite tumultuous months. Arguably years in Vancouver. We could start anywhere on this. But what I want to start with is the hiring of Rick Tockett in place of Bruce Boudreaux and how that kind of all went down. Would you uh, kind of lay it out quickly if some of our listeners may be unaware of what, what's the last month in Vancouver looked like from a coaching standpoint? And then we can kind of get into the roster management side of things. I mean, honestly, you can go back to before camp when things were weird, right? Like there was always seemed to have been a disconnect between the front office there and Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, they brought him a lot of success last year when they needed it, when they fired Travis Green. But this offseason was not kosher for the two parties oh. um, at all. And that goes back to, remember, Rachel Dory, who was in the, the front office. Bruce Boudreaux was like, she's going to get a, stat, a job on the bench. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was like, pump the tires on that. And then before you know it, she's out of the organization. She's now you know in lit- litigation with them for wrongful termination. It starts there. It starts with a disconnect on on the sometimes the effort you're getting out of a JT Miller or an Elias Pettersson that rubbed Patrick Alvin and, and Jim Rutherford the wrong way about how Bruce Boudreaux goes about it. Mm-hmm. And now you're sitting here in a, with a Vancouver club that isn't bottom of the barrel. They're not the Arizona Anaheim's of the world, but they're also not good. I mean, they're not a good team either. And, and you know, everybody's got their opinion on this Bruce Boudreaux situation. I don't think he did that bad of a job considering what that team is. I don't think it's a very well-built roster. We've had discussions about this on the show. But, you know, obviously the guys building that roster don't feel like they built a bad roster. And around Christmas, right after Christmas, that that week in between Christmas and New Year's, uh, um, sorry, Jim Rutherford had reached out to Rick Tockett, who a old colleague, not only a good friend, but an old colleague from their time overlapping in Pittsburgh when they won Stanley Cups together. Rick Tock mm-hmm. was assistant coach there. And uh, Gage is interested about coming back to uh, coaching the Vancouver Canucks. And Tockett was on board, and then it kind of went through a process. of so there's a lot of rumors about there, uh, out there about whether uh, Tockett had to give a four-week uh, Tockett had to give a four-week notice with his job at TNT, which I'm not here to confirm or deny that. Um, and then, as we started to get closer, things started leaking out from the Vancouver camp. You know, mm-hmm. Rick Tockett might be in here. Bruce Boudreaux might get fired. Oh, now Rick Tockett's got a full staff built out. He's even, he knows what nutritionist he's bringing to the club. And this is all going out through the media while Bruce Boudreaux is trying to coach the team. And, right. you know, they absolutely treated him as poor as you could treat someone. Worse than the Gerard Gallant, Florida situation, in my opinion. Um is Bruce a great coach? No, he's not a great hockey coach. He's got a lot of success. He's not, when I say he's not a great hockey coach, he's a great hockey coach. He's not Scotty Bowman. You can fire Bruce Boudreaux, right? Like he wasn't, you know, indemnified from being fired. Like he was the guy in Vancouver forever. He's not a Scotty Bowman, but he was a good coach. I think it was a poor built roster. I think they, he ended up being the scapegoat for some of the shortcomings that front office. And they fired him after, you know, after a month of basically having his replacement named picked out and they started moving his shit into the front of uh, the corner office, but they didn't want to fire him until they were able to because of contract stipulations and whatnot. They fire him and now Rick Tockett's behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, you, if you listen to anything he said after his second game behind the bench with the Canucks, 
doesn't seem like it was just a Brucey issue. It seems like uh, Rick Tockett, two games in, is fed up with the effort and some of the guys on that roster in Vancouver. Which and it's just it it it's sad sort of all around because Vancouver fans are as dedicated as they come. It's a great city. Great city. It it was sad watching the kind of the end of the Boudreaux tenure, mm-hmm. and he, he was getting choked up at press. Con- it was just crying weird... on the bench during the games, and right, and the crowd chanting, were... yeah, right, like just a weird. It's embarrassing. Way... What it is? Yeah, it's, embarrassing, it's embarrassing way to it... treat a guy who you know who's earned the respect in the league. It's embarrassing for Bruce, not to his fault. It's embarrassing for the front office. And I'll be quite honest with you, if you're Francisco Aquilini, Francesco Aquilini, I don't know how you sit there and, and you know, watch this from from your chair in your, your office and watch this kind of take take place underneath you and, and be okay with that. And somehow he is. But that goes to show you, I mean, Vancouver has issues in that organization that run way deeper than, than who's coaching the hockey club. And that goes to the Dory thing, that goes to the people in the front office. That goes to some allegations against Aquilini himself. I mean, they yeah. have issues in that organization. So you could sit here and go, how could he not think that this is crazy? doesn't surprise me. So where does it end? I mean, does it, is it Aquilini out? Is it Rutherford out? Is it, you know, Takit is kind of now the head of this rudderless ship. So in terms of the hockey organization, the yeah. off-ice stuff, like where, where does this go? And, it's a, and, it, and what do people want at this point? It's a good question, and I'll be honest, it's a question I don't even have the answer to. A good friend, you know, over at Chicklets, Ryan Whitney, said this the other day on the on their show. Like, what does Patrick Alvin do? What does he really yeah. do if Jim Rutherford is hiring and firing guys, placing calls, negotiating contracts with coaches? Then what the hell does your general manager do? So I just think that there's there's a lack of structure and organization in the front office, and it, and it trickles down throughout the organization. You see it. They have, like, nine general – they have, like – they have a – a proxy general manager, like a puppet GM, and they have like 19 assistant general managers, all who are well-deserving of jobs in the National Hockey League when you look at, you know, the Cameron Granados and the uh, Emily Castanier's of the world who like are deserving of those roles. But what are they doing there for that organization if Jim Rutherford is just has the final say on all these decisions just coming over the top? Like, do they run it like a board of directors? Possibly, but it's just, I, I think it trickles down to what you see behind the bench. And I think it trickles down to some of the personalities in the locker room. It's just, they lack structure and pocket said it after the second game coaching in Vancouver, something has to give with that leadership group. And I think that that was maybe a shot upstairs too. And I'm not trying to put that into the world to create drama. I really am not, but maybe that was a shot to everybody in the organization that we really have to think about our leadership from, you know, the head of the general janitorial, uh, janitorial staff all the way down. We have to think about leadership in this organization. Yeah, like, hey, this is this is a shit show, yeah. plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And I can't do my job as Rick Tockett without this being less of a shit show. I think that's probably how he feels, and I bet you that's how people in the front office feel too in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Like, we can't we can't do anything while this remains a shit show. And it's like, well, where is where is the source of the shit show? And a lot of it feels like it comes back to Rutherford. Because it's Rutherford and Alvin and dinosaurs and what and like what are we doing here? And then well, they can't. Yeah, and I don't. You know, winning cures all, obviously, but like you can't put a winning it doesn't team. Doesn't feel like and that's I, right. I don't want to blame Jim Rutherford solely. Like I, I think a lot of the times 
that everybody has an equal part to play. And I think it's sometimes just the wrong ingredients in the soup. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just the wrong, they don't go together. And they're all good on their own, right? They all have something to provide. But when you put them in that mix together, it's just not it. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. like making a cocktail, totally. right? You, you don't put, you know, certain alcohol with other alcohol. It doesn't mean they're not bad to drink. But when they're in a cocktail together, it's just not the right combination. And I think it's more right. of that. So, like, Jim Rutherford, I agree with you, is to some degree the, the guy. But also it could be a combination of just the people that they have there, the opinions they have in the room, the voices, the egos, all that, I think, goes into the fact that they're so dysfunctional. Right. Yeah. It just feels like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and what they're cooking up ain't ain't that good anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's go on the ice now. So it's Horvat, it's Besser, it's you know the J- JT Miller, Connor Garland will never go away. They just re-signed Andre Kuzmenko. Shouts to him for getting a two-year extension done and all like the in all of the bullshit. Good for Andre Kuzmenko securing some financial security over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So on the ice, how different is this team going to look and how quickly will it look different very different but not today or tomorrow i right. think you're gonna have to get to that deadline like you said i think teams are gonna make deals now you know elliot had mentioned hughes and demko and you know everybody but patterson potentially being in play Listen, if Quinn Hughes is available, sure. teams are going to step up. If Thatcher Demko is available, teams are going to step up. I just think the interesting thing about Demko, and everybody's talking about his name right now, is the goaltending market as robust in terms of buyers as it has been? I don't think so. No, I mean, it feels like every, it's it's last year there was nine goalies that we we're talking about. This year there's like one and yeah, because it, people are sort of settled. And uh, even if there were nine goalies, like – where are they going? Like, I just think the game of musical yeah. chairs is starting to end, right? Like, there's one or two seats left, if that. I, You know, I know it's my job to bring this stuff to you guys listening, but, like, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head one team that's, like, they're in such dire position in net that they really need, you know. Like, yeah, you could – there's maybe 17 teams that will upgrade with a Thatcher Demko, but not a team sure. not a team that's in, like, dire need of a goaltender like the New Jersey Devils were last year where they were starting, like, you know, whoever – Smead and that or whatever his name was, you know? The Right. The desperation level has gone way down. Way down. feels settled. Even the and Sabres, right? Like, they've been getting enough out of UPL, Comrie, and, and Anderson. Yeah, it's like, Anderson. last year, we were sitting here saying, you know, Sabres need somebody. Like, go get somebody. They're getting by, right? Like, it's not perfect. Yes, Venture Demko is a huge upgrade for a Sabres club, in my opinion. We can, you know, have that debate. But, like, they, they're not, they don't have to make that move. They can get by with what they have. And I think pretty much every team is in that boat now. How about uh, former Sabre, Linus Allmark? He's winning the uh, the Vesna odds right now, leaps and bounds. Well, you know so what? It's just stuff like that is just so interesting. You know it better than I. He's always been a good goalie. I just think he hasn't been able yeah. to stay healthy. When he's healthy, he's a great goaltender. That's absolutely true. He he actually, I love this stat. He had a winning record in his time in Buffalo, which yeah. is hilarious. Because he, he presided over some of the worst years, obviously. Um, and he just, they didn't want to pay him. Mm-hmm. And... Now here he is doing his thing in Boston. I think it was a perfect change of scenery kind of situation as well. Team in front of him is obviously great. He's flourishing. So happy for him. But I'm just saying, like, Buffalo had they had a goalie. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just interesting to see the revisionist history that takes place in Buffalo when, when things haven't been good for a long time. Anyway, looking forward to seeing what happens with the Canucks. With Tockett, 
with Horvat, with Besser, with Miller, with Garland, you see things are going to look different. Um, another place where things are going to look different is in Chicago, and that's potentially with Kane and Taves out the door. Are you uh, any change in the last couple of weeks on that front, or perhaps with our friends over in St. Louis with O'Reilly and Tarasenko staying the central here? Yeah, I think Tarasenko ends up being the name that gets moved um, over O'Reilly. I think there's enough smoke there. I mean, you hear about you know the Islanders potentially sniffing around, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's enough smoke with Tarasenko. Because here's the thing with the Islanders, right? Like Lou is not putting that out to the world, but they're talking about Tarasenko. That's coming from the St. Louis camp to some degree. Like we know right. the way Lou operates, it's not coming from the Islanders. So when you learn the game and where these scoops are coming from, you start to learn a little bit, right? Like St. Louis is putting that out there for a reason, or somebody in St. Louis is putting it out there, so you can. It's insert team. I mean, it's the Islanders, but it's insert any team. But the Islanders being the team gives us the context of like St. Louis wants that out there to some degree. I think Tarasenko ends up on the move. I think O'Reilly stays. Uh, maybe just a sort of a, you know, done a lot for the organization, captain there, won mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup, big part of the Tage Thompson deal, which you can call it the Tage Thompson deal now. I think it's safe. Quite the, yeah, quite the trade. I think point. it's. Uh, I think we've passed statute of limitations. I think we can call it the Tage Thompson trade, not the Ryan O'Reilly wow. trade now. Um, big news. Big news, breaking. But yeah, I, I just think that O'Reilly stays, Tarasenko's on the move, and our friends in Chicago are just going to buy time, right, till we get to that deadline, right? Like, I, I think that, I think that you know, a baby can tell you the teams that are going to be involved in Patrick Kane, the Rangers, you know, the Capitals, the Bruins, the Oilers, those types of teams. I just think it's a matter of getting to that that time of year where teams feel a little bit more desperate to make that move and they have the space to do it. They may have, you know, a guy, hate to say, goes on LTIR and they have space to bring in Patrick Kane. Now, I think we're waiting for that. I don't think, I, I still think we're in that standstill. Of course. And we're going to be for a while, especially in a year where the cap is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, it's, it's that, like I mentioned, to start the show, it's that third year of squeeze. And we are truly at a time where you just really can't afford to make these deals, especially early. So you're kind of hoping that, not hoping, obviously, but you're waiting if one of your guys, like Austin Matthews, you know, if Toronto really wanted to, could probably stretch that to a four-week injury, put him on LTIR, and then figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're not hoping for your players to get injured, obviously. But waiting till the deadline gives you more opportunity to figure out who is injured. Who is more desperate? Yep. And I think people are less concerned now because it's sort of the the time's already passed to make that trade in early December when you really get a guy comfortable, you can get him, you know, really make him part of your team yep. versus renting to win a Stanley Cup. Or perhaps in the case of Timo Meyer, signing, yep. right? Like where it doesn't really matter about his immediate comfortability with the team. So there's just once you get to a certain point, call it early December, then why not wait until the deadline because of any number of reasons? Money, injuries, desperation, market values, cap space. There's a lot of those. And so we're just going to get right up to the deadline before things start really happening. And a lot of teams, like the goalie market soft this year, the rental market soft this year. It's going to be a lot of these kind of trade and sign situations. It's just, it's just an interesting year where I don't think 
there's going to be a flurry of activity for two weeks, like we've seen mm. before. And this summer, I think, is the complete opposite. I think this summer is one of the most interesting summers we've had in a couple of years because yeah. we'll have more clarity on the cap. Absolutely. We'll have a lot of guys that are getting paid. A lot of guys that maybe got paid in the pandemic that are kind of like, okay, well, looking for market values again and cap jumps and all that kind of stuff. So I just think we're, we're in for an interesting time. I think we're in for a very interesting time. And, you know, going back to the teams that the LTIR thing, keep an eye on Carolina and Vegas only because Mark Stone there and Max Pacioretty going right back onto LTIR. Unfortunately, Sad, yeah. if you hate to see it, um, it was the same Achilles, right? He snapped the same Achilles in his first same game back from yeah. the torn Achilles. Um, I think he's now in Finland, seeing an Achilles like the great, the, the number one Achilles doc in the world in Finland right now. Hopefully, he gets you mm-hmm. know help there. But so like LTR is back in play for them, and, and Mark Stone, you know, Bruce Cassidy's been intentionally vague on what the status is of Mark Stone. I, I'm telling you from what I heard, Mark Stone is going through those same back issues as he was in the previous years. It might not be that we see Mark Stone until you know late April. So yeah. things change, right? Like Vegas is a team that we keep saying, how the hell do they make these moves? They might be right back in the thick of, you know, the Horvat and the Besser market because they're going to utilize LTIR. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a bummer, but it's kind of been the blueprint for them the last couple of years. Speaking of money, a couple of uh, housekeeping things here to clean up with off the ice. Bally Sports and Sinclair Sports headed for bankruptcy, hoping – Friends of the show that work in those markets and for those people are, are going to be all right in there. It sounds like it's just kind of a pretty pretty loaded debt situation, borrowing a lot of money mm-hmm. during the pandemic with the idea that it was going to come back around in the form of advertisements and carriage fees and whatnot, and it has not. Uh, anything on the Bally Sinclair regional sports networks in general, NRD? No, same as, same as you. I know we have a lot of mutual friends there and uh, just hope for the best for them. Speaking of regional sports networks, uh, one guy, James Dolan, runs one down at MSG. Have you seen that he's threatening to ban alcohol sales I, from Madison Square Garden? I watched the whole interview. It was fantastic. <laughs> what in the world is his deal? First of all, I think it's like the first time any of us have seen James Dolan in like years. I forgot what he looked like. Like James he's Dolan like, has so much power, but he also you never see James Dolan. Like he never does interviews. I mean, he did it on like the local news station. The local like just Fox News weird station, guy. yeah, just puts off weird billionaire guy vibes. Yeah, um, eclectic said that his band is on hiatus while he's working on the MSG Sphere project <laughs> in Vegas. Talked a little bit about the Rangers. Talked a little bit about the Knicks. Uh, yeah, he's gonna ban alcohol sales and uh, facial recognition software. Yeah, because so here's I kind of looked into this a little more. Apparently, he is to get into MSG. You go through the biometric scanner, okay? Mm-hmm. And he has profiles of people that are either suing him or MSG or lawyers that are working on cases that are involved with suing Dolan or MSG and refusing them entry to MSG mm-hmm. to see like Justin Bieber yeah. or a Rangers game yep. or a Knicks game. And according to the State Liquor Authority, that basically triggers them as a certain like, – like any places – that have a liquor license are required to be open to the general public. Yeah, like right? they're refusing to if serve. So if you're denying service to people uh, on account of they are suing you, you're not allowed to do that. So James Dolan basically said, "Okay, I don't need to sell alcohol. I don't give a fuck." Well, the best line. Did you hear his line about I'm 29 years sober? I don't need the booze. 
Yeah, I don't need the booze. <laughs> don't who cares about the twenty thousand people in the arena? I don't need it. I don't give a fuck. Just an all all time. That was an all time interview. I mean, like, there were there were that interview was a quote machine. I, he started off. Did you get a did you get a chance to see how he started off that interview? No, I did not. He walked in. The first question was about the facial recognition software. He asked the interviewer if uh, if she had recognized him this morning when he walked into the studio. She said, "Yeah." He said, "Boom!" Facial recognition. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Which is Just that's fantastic. an all time simplification. That is a that is one of the greatest all oversimplifications in human history. Incredible. Speaking of great oversimplifications, Gary Bettman uh, quoted this week saying. Nobody tanks in the NHL, NRD. What do you think of that? You know, I don't. <laughs> teams, teams tank. I mean, it, nobody say, tanks. And he said, "Why would you tank? You have a seventy-five percent chance of not getting the first pick. Who tanks?" I was like, "Oh my god!" Because I'd much rather a seventy-five percent chance of not getting it than like a ninety-two percent chance of not right. getting it. I mean, it's crazy, Gary. Don't, I'd love to go to a casino with Gary, based on his math. Just, just, just watch. Like, just is, go see Gary at like the roulette table, trying to figure out the logic behind why you're putting on some certain colors and numbers. Just the epitome of like head in the sand. Has no, you know. He remember when he was like that? Oh, the ad tech isn't distracting at all. And there's all the the videos and clips. Well, of, no, of like he, people's heads. He cut did off not say and, no. To his credit, he did not say the ad was not distracting. He said it's increasing. The viewership oh, of the right. game. So remember, that was the, the quote was, right. people, quote was watching, people are turning yeah, people in. This is cool. Um, so, you know. What a guy. Sometimes, like, sometimes you let that old relative just sit in the rocking chair and you just let them talk. And you're just like. He is. You're totally right. He's been in there for too long. Like, he, he has too many yes men at this point. Yeah. He's been there for too long. That uh, we're ready for some fresh blood. Like, Gary, go to the cottage. Yeah, He's like well. you know, you know, take your pension and go. You know what I'm saying? Like when Uncle or Peepaw sits in his chair and he just starts rambling right. about those days, and you're like, "Yup, Peepaw, yup." Like I remember that. Yup, yup, Pop Pop. Yeah, those those were sure. the days, Pop Pop. <laughs> sure thing, Pop Pop. Um, the NHL All Star Game, NRD, features one, two, three, four, five defensemen at this point, and oh, I don't know, a hundred forwards. What's the deal? With uh, snubbing defensemen from the All Star Game, this could be such a this could be an hour conversation about how it's you know ridiculous. the Norris Trophy only goes to the guy who gets the most points now as a defense. Right. Like the, the art of defending is gone. No, no the, longer are the days of Scott Stevens and you know the Phil Housleys and Paul Coffey's of the world. It's now you know which D, which D man could do the most dipsy doodles from the blue line. That's not to take away from Cal McCarr or Adam Fox. They're gifted hockey players, right? And they deserve to be there, but it, it's turned into like one of those, which is, you know, yeah. that, it's, it sounds like a very dinosaur cake. I'm trying to make it. I'm not. I enjoy what the game is. I think the game's perfect where it is. It's just, it's just shitty when you look back and you're like, you think of like the Brian Leaches and the Nick Lidstrom's, like the dominant defenseman of the day. And now those guys who are great players, like we have some dominant shutdown defensemen in this league. You can look at Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulock and, Guys like that or Jacob Slavin, who are great shutdown defensemen, who don't get mm -hmm. the burn publicly or, you know, nationally, because what they do is they don't go around, you know, scoring 100 points from the blue line. Agreed. Nobody from the Atlantic Division on defense. Nobody. Which, 
you know, maybe they figure that out with whatever the and the fan votes. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I don't. Like, I can't follow it anymore. I don't trust fan it. votes and and Pro Bowls. I don't trust it. It's rigged. Skills competitions. We're doing a dunk tank. It's just like, what are we doing That's, with these? You know, I talked about I, rigged voting. It's the all. We should really be investigating become, NHL All Star vote. I'm with you. I've become an All Star game dinosaur with the MLB. The Home Run Derby is so sacred. And like it's the only one that I think is is still any good from like an all star perspective. The NHL one stinks. Uh, whatever they're doing with the Pro Bowl next weekend, you're gonna see and just be like, what? Why are they playing dodgeball? Why are we flying kites? Why are we doing playing darts over here? Just have a mai tai contest and see who gets like Travis Kelsey wins that. I don't know. Like I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, it makes sense because people aren't gonna play their fucking heart out and get hurt going into the off season in the middle of a season in the case of hockey and basketball, but like dunk contest shell, the dunk contest is a shell of itself. It's just, it, it, we're in an age where competition and like a million dollars is no longer enough to get people to play hard. Well, you know what? I'm going to spins on this really quick. We're also in an era where, yeah, I just, I like the analogy of the NBA, right? Cause the dunk, dunk contest was so iconic with Jordan. Like yeah. we're, we're in an era now where not specifically like jumping from the three free throw line like Jordan did, but like guys are doing that crazy shit in the game. So it kind of makes yeah. it stale. You know what? Cause That's it's true. like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to see him with no defenders go up and do like a three sixty because Ron does that in the game or, you know, John Morant does that in the game. So I think that, you know, and you can extrapolate that over to the other sports as well. But like, I think that's part of it too, or hockey, right? Like, we don't need to see a guy in the breakaway challenge with a you know a shooter tutor and then that go between the legs because Trevor Zegers fucking does the Michigan in a game right. like at a ridiculous clip. So I think that's what it is too. Part of it it loses luster because it's like they're not doing anything that special. So then it becomes comedy hour. You bring out like the guys from the Hangover who like like last year Alex the Bring Cat in Vegas. You have the Hangover thing and it's like or Trevor Zegers with the dodgeball. Then it becomes like. Rowan and Martin's laughing, laughing at the All Star game. Yeah, it's becoming like slapstick and yeah, this and that, and just it's the All Star games. You know, yeah, I get what they are. They're sponsor parties and interviews and stuff like that. It's just like you know, we we don't even need the the games mm-hmm. anymore. Do hardest shot, do the quick release thing. But there's, it's just like I don't know. Go play yeah, golf. It's a, it's yeah. Just have, right. just have it's, like yeah, an NHL golf out. Have a golf tournament. Yeah. Have a golf day. Uh, yeah, who knows? Anyway, that's going to do it for us on Cold Stove today, NRD. Anything else before we jump out of here on your nope. end? All good with me. We'll be back next week. Uh, no unforeseen trips planned in my future. Hopefully the same for you, and we will be back. Like you said, we're going to uh, maybe get into that two-week season soon. So Perfect. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on Twitter and Instagram. That's NRD, a.k.a. NHL Rumors Daily, at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He ain't going anywhere, right? Not leaving. He's not leaving. We are Cold Stove Pod at Cold Stove Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Shoot us some questions, topics we need to cover next week. Looking forward to February. Smoke season is officially here. And we'll see you guys, uh, see you guys next week. See you.